Welcome to your Midwest Garden Podcast. Today we're discussing seeding. This is season number one, episode number two. Hi, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy, and today my guest is Nick Botek from the Urban Ag Alliance of Lucas County, which happens to be in Northwest Ohio. Hello, Nick. Hi, how's it going? All right, now I got a question. How do you spell your name, honestly, the best way? Is it N-I-C-K and then B-O-T-E-K? Uh, just N-I-C. N-I-C and then B-O-T-E-K. Yep. All right, Nick, I got to ask you something. Mm -hmm. The reason I have you on board today is is because it's, you know, earlier in the season, it's a little too early. Uh, March, April, you get some teases as far as what the temperatures are like. Everybody wants to go out there and do something. They want to have their flowers in yesterday. Uh, If they want to, most of the garden centers aren't going to have anything ready until, yeah, when the pansies are out, you know, March weather, that's okay. You can have some cool weather vegetables out there like lettuce, broccoli, cauliflower. Uh, You're going to have onions and potatoes. The reason I brought you on board or asked you on board was to find out seeding. People are going to be doing seeding. You've been doing this for how long? Uh, about 10 years now. 10 years. And how are you involved with, with generally, I know you're involved in Northwest Ohio. How'd you get started? And I'm going to let Nick basically boast about his, his forte. Uh, so I got started about 10 years ago. Uh, I got hired through AmeriCorps to work at Toledo Grows. Um, I also helped start a garden at the Colorado Presbyterian Church. Um, we were doing a feeding program uh, down at the bus station. So we had a garden we started there. And yeah, I've just been been doing that for a little bit. And I started this garden over in Collingwood um, with a few people in 2013. And it's kind of like a food forest. So we're kind of mimicking how a, a, you know, a forest grows in nature and, and replacing it with uh, edible trees and shrubs and you talk that. edible, the, the trees themselves are edible? Oh, so, yeah. Well, like there's some that are fruiting with nuts and shrubs, but oh, like uh, oh, okay. uh, basewood, I mean, there's actually, you can eat the leaves from that. So there's there's a lot of different things. There was an there. old guy way back when in the 70s, his name was Yule Gibbons. He used to boast about eating pine cones and portions of trees. You know, most parts are edible, that sort of thing. And that's what I thought you were alluding to. Well, I'll get back to the AmeriCorps scenario in a little bit because that strikes a little bit of an interest on my end. My questions are, okay, Seeding. Now, we've got people that want to go ahead out there. Mothers, um, teachers, uh, they want to get things started as far as watching teachers in their fifth grade science classes. Mothers that want the children to eat whole, hearty, healthy, um, organic or natural foods. When is the best time to do any seeding and what do you generally start with and what do you use? So, I mean, it, it depends on what you're uh, planting, obviously. Um, I've already seeded uh, peas. Those are a really early crop. Now, when you said peas, those are going to grow fast as a weed. What do you mean early crop? Are you going to be able to plant them outdoors relatively soon? Oh, I, I planted them uh, this Saturday. Did uh, you? Mm-hmm. Now, when are you planning on putting them outside? Uh, I planted them outside in the soil this in Saturday. In the yeah. soil already? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the first things that go in the ground. Just straight seed? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't put them in a pot, you don't get them started because they'll get too leggy, won't they? Yeah, That's they don't take the transplants very well, but you, you can do it. 
Well, all right, so it's easier. Now, on peas and beans, I remember the old timers used to, and we got some people right now that are looking for an inoculant. I mean, it used to be a blue colored powder that basically was a fungicide that prevented anything from, you know, causing the seed to get really yucked up Mm -hmm. uh, and not do anything. Do you still find that that's necessary? I, especially with uh, legumes like peas and beans, you don't want, I wouldn't use a a fungicide because, um, or anything that's going to inhibit, like, um, what is it like uh, bacterial uh, growth? Because actually, with the uh, legumes, they have this nitrogen fixing relation, symbiotic relationship with the bacteria right. that will help like enrich your soils. So um, we don't we don't. Use so you don't want to mess with the soil. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll get back to the soil in, in a little bit. Okay, so you're putting your beans and peas in the ground right Not now. Beans. No beans, no just beans, peas. Just peas. Beans. Beans need a lot uh, more warmer. Be- they'll die at the. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. So you're putting the peas in. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of peas? I mean, are um, they like hybrids or are they heirlooms? I mean, it, some heirlooms. You got some snap peas, sugar peas. You know, and you can just yeah. pull right off the vine, chew on them while you're pulling them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can put those in now. What other What other early early seeds are you playing with right now? Do you do any planting in flats or, yeah. po- or pots? Uh, peppers, tomatoes, any of the nightshades, eggplants. Uh, I've already started those indoors. And um, some, some greenhouses start them even like December, like try to get a really early start on those. They take a long time to really get growing. And if you can transplant them into bigger flats uh, before the, the frost date, you can get some um, really good crops from those. Well, what kind of soil do you use? Um, I use just a simple seed starting mix. You want to use something that's really fine. Uh, if it's too, if it's too dense or, um, there's too much material in there, it will, uh, prevent the seeds from germinating. They, they, they don't have much energy to kind of break through the soil. So you want the finer, the better, basically. I mean, let's just say the standard potting mixes that we have out there. I'm not an advocate of some of these marketable ones that have the great Mm -hmm. big pretty packages that say that they've got the water retention pellets in there or the the fertilizers that's in there. You just don't want any added junk in there. Um, What kind of, I mean, is there, I don't want to say a name brand, but I mean, is there just a standard seed starter or is it a potting soil? Uh, not a potting soil. You don't want to use a potting soil. You want to use a, a seed starting mix. They're they're very fine. You don't need any really nutrients. Um, they when the seeds are starting, they kind of contain their own nutrients, so it's not really beneficial at that point. I mean, you can have some perlite in there for water retention, but uh, you know any basic seed starter mix, cocoa core works really well. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, how do they water them? Do they just pour water on it? Doesn't it push the seed out of the uh, are you using flats or are you using pots or both? I'm using flats, and what I do is I fill the the bottom of the flats with perlite, and I water it from the bottom. Um, oh. and it kind of wicks up into the into the wicks uh, up. I mean, it goes in like it, it comes in from the bottom up. Then, so yeah. you don't you don't have to go because I've I've discovered through oopses, mm-hmm. and I mean I, I'd use other words to describe it, but you know, taking a sprinkling can and pouring it directly on top of it isn't that good because it flushes the seed right out of the out of the flat and or the pot. So I suggest an atomizer. Never thought of the wicking or the from the bottom up. Now, do you get the the, the you get the cells? How many cells? Meaning that you know, thirty six. Uh, 32, 72, what do you, what do you find that you work with best? Uh, I like the 48s. They're kind of an in-between between like the, I don't know, it was like 128s and the, and the bigger ones. It's kind of the best kind of in-between if you're not trying to transplant them a few times. We're going to have some ladies on that, that are doing some seeding right now. And they're not, not even just seeding. They're using what they call plugs, but the plugs start either from seed or from cuttings. And they have cells. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, we're talking 
These are in flats. Normally, it's like you get your petunias, your veggies, your 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 annuals, your impatience, things of this nature in flats of whether it's 48, 32, 36 in a, in a flat. And then you can either break the pack off, which either has three or four in there. Well, we're using those same packs that have that, that amount of, of cell opening to plant the seeds. Now, do you use the real small ones at all that they use for the plugs? Uh, I don't. If if you're if you're trying to produce a, a you know a really high amount of uh, plants, those are great because you can um, start a ton of seeds and you're going to lose some, and then you can trans transplant right. them. But well, 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 then then okay, you're you're starting right now. You said legumes. I mean, you're talking like the the peas themselves. Um, do you do any other cool other veggies like lettuce? I mean, do you do cauliflower? Do you do broccoli? Do you even do onions? I mean. Uh, I've tried starting onions from seed. They take two years to kind of go. I, I get the the bulbs. Or you um, get the now. Do you are you, the, the round ones? You can get you know like at, at a buck ninety nine a pound in yeah. a package. Do you do those turn into the big round ones like the Spanish onions, or do you use use the small? I mean, a lot of people use them basically as scallions to pop them out of the ground, dip them in salt, drink, eat them, and drink a beer with it. I mean, do you get the same plant out of that? Yeah, you can harvest the green onions from it, and then you can harvest the bulbs later on in the year. How do you get the bulb? Do you leave it stay there forever and ever, or do you pinch the, the chive or the green over? No, oh. I mean, once once it's seeded, um, or once the, uh, you know, you can harvest the greens for a while, and then um, I believe in the, I think they're, I'm going to say 70 days or so, um, to 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 be able to harvest the ball, but you can kind of check around the soil. You said you you, you cut the chive. Yeah, you can. I cut the green onion. I mean, not all the way down to the base. No, but, but you can why, why do you cut it? Oh, I just cut cut it to to use it. Um, to to use it as a chive, basically yeah, for but, cooking yeah, and things onion. of that nature. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't have anything to do with making the onion swell. Because I've seen people pinch the chive over, yeah. and it's like a balloon filling up with water. It just basically makes the bulb f- grow larger faster. Okay. And I, I, I didn't. I, I. That's well. I'm stumbling over myself right now, but I didn't know. And okay, um, cool weather plants that you're doing. You're starting them from seed. Now, here's a, here's a question. Thomas Jackson, I had in, as a matter of fact, and he basically when he does, he starts from seeds also, but. What he starts with is he puts in like three to five seeds in each one of those cells. Do you do one at a time? I do two, about two seeds with most things. Now, um, why? Uh, because the germination rates can vary, and you know you, you might lose one. So if you if you you know you don't want to have a bunch of empty cells, so so uh, you, they don't crowd each other out. Uh, you want to thin them uh, once when you, when once they done? start to grow. Yeah, once you get um, some okay. Now explain that. So if you have like you know two or three seeds in a cell. And, you know, they're all germinating. Then you want to kind of slowly, like carefully pull off um, until there's only one. Doesn't do any damage to the root or you just get rid of those and pitch them? No, you want to get them early because if you wait too long, the roots will start to entangle and that could damage them. So you get rid of the other two and leave the one in there, the best of the bunch? Yeah, whatever looks the best. And you could could just, uh, if it's later on, you've let them kind of grow together, you can kind of pinch pinch it off and just kill it rather than pulling it out. Do you take... Any of those and, and, you know, put them up, well, what they call up canning, put like from the cell into a four and a half inch pot? Uh, I do that with the peppers and tomatoes and eggplants because I start those really early and, you know, I want it, they'll start to get really big um, in the cells. So we had a discussion with Thomas Jackson about the best time to put those tomatoes, the eggplant, the peppers, and that. Uh, and I want to ask you later on when is the best time you think to put it in uh, into the ground? 
But, uh, okay, now, we, we've got people that try to start corn. They even try to start sunflower in those little flats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're giggling, but... Uh, I've done it before, but... Uh, does it yeah. work? No. Well, why I, not? It, it's, they're not, they're, you know, they're, they're best for direct seeding, you know. Kind of like you're being, are peas? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because they grow them. too fast? Uh, they grow fast. They don't take to transplanting well. Um, you know, you can buy a five pound bag of uh, sunflower seeds for $3. So it's, you know. It's, and then just put them out there and yeah, let them take their own course. Yeah. And that's another thing we'll talk about a little bit later on as far as, you know, maybe pollinators or something that's going to be beneficial for the garden. How many gardens are you playing with right now? Um, so we have the Collingwood Garden. It's a half acre. Well, okay. Um, the Colling- Collingwood Garden. Mm-hmm. You explain where it is and how that got started. So it's in the Old West End. Uh, it's Delaware and Collingwood. Uh, it started in 2013 and it was a vacant lot. It used to be a, a theater. Um, the lot was vacant for 25, 30 years. And we kind of just showed up one day and started guarding it. Did, you didn't get in any trouble we, or anything we, from no, the city? We, didn't, we didn't ask any permission or anything. You know, we just kind of want to be, you know, take over the lot and, and do something better with it. And eventually we got a kind of a maintenance lease with the city. So, but yeah, we just a maintenance lease. Yeah. Now, see, that's something that you know you're familiar, very familiar. In fact, you're part of the Urban Agriculture Alliance. Um, you basically have started this well before Thomas Jackson got into this. Um, but Thomas Jackson got into a little pickle because there was a neighbor problem, and the city had to follow through with certain things. You have you did it. You took it upon yourself. Now. I, I, I honestly am curious about this AmeriCorps thing and that Toledo grows. How did you get involved with that, and how did they, they introduce you to Toledo grows? Um, I had a friend, Mike Zabrilla, who actually got me into the AmeriCorps program to work at Toledo Grows. Um, he was getting a bunch of grants and stuff to expand the program and suggested it to me, and I already was kind of you know growing some tomatoes here and there and working on some community stuff and yeah, it seemed like a good fit. Okay, the Collingwood is one of them. Is there another one, or are there others? Um, well, uh, there isn't any gardens. I'm I've been helping out with a uh, you know gardens here and there throughout the city when I can. Um, we we give a lot of plants to other gardens um, from the Collingwood Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've got we're going to start a garden at our lot that we're going to be building uh, an off the grid house on um, this year. So. That'll be the next. Project. So that's another one. Now, are you getting any assistance at all in any category whatsoever as far as monetary, as far as sweat equity, as far as, or are you doing this on your own? So for the Collingwood Garden, we get a lot of plants and seeds from Toledo Grows. Um, I do buy a lot of the trees and shrubs personally. Uh, we did get a grant from the Old West End Association uh, to get some trees and shrubs this year. So that's going to be a really big help. But it's you know we get volunteers from the neighborhood and we have a you know Facebook group and there's a lot of people on there that come. And so they're getting so. involved. In yeah. it. Okay. Well, I have to bring it to everybody's attention here. This is Toledo, Ohio, but this is basically going to work its way eastward and westward. Um, we're in a similar zone, well, actually almost identical to Chicago. This is the Southern Great Lakes. It can go as far east as New York, far west as a little bit beyond Chicago in itself. Um, north, you know, well, we can, you know, the Canadians up there, the can, they, they, they'll probably hear some of this, but as far south, we don't go much farther as far as our growing period, uh, than let's say Columbus, uh, anything south of us here, we've got an earlier growing period. I mean, Cincinnati can start a good three weeks before we do. You, on the other hand, are, are 
we just discussed, uh, you know, growing cool weather plants, you know, your broccoli, your cauliflower, the seeds that you're putting in. When do you, do you still start from seed for things like your tomatoes, your peppers, uh, things of that nature, even watermelon, uh, any of your melons, your, 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 well, even your, well, squash, things I can't stand. I mean, do you do that, those from seed? Yeah, squash, melons, um, peppers, tomatoes, uh, cucumbers. We do the all the nightshades, the eggplants, peppers. you got to explain yeah. a little bit on the nightshades. Now, it's, the nightshade is basically, nightshade can be a toxic weed, mm-hmm. or it can be a very delicious, what they used to call passion fruit. I mean, Thomas Jefferson hybrid the darn thing and turned it into a, to, to a tomato. Why don't you explain, basically, the nightshade variety of plants and what they're good for? Yeah. So uh, peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, those are all like they all came from the same plant. That's the nightshade family. Um, there's also some poisonous, uh, deadly nightshade uh, that we don't grow. But uh, yeah, th- those you want to get started early in the season, like February. Um, indoors or outdoors? Indoors, yeah. You don't put them in as a seed. You plant them as a seed indoors. Yeah, in your trays. And then you bring them out after the last frost. Where do you put them? You put them by a window or do you got night light, or do you have lighting? I know that there's a, you know, I don't want to say a fad, it's a trend now. People like growing indoors. They have blue lighting, orange lighting. The blue lighting's for the vegetation, the orange lighting's for the flower. Do you use lighting or do you use basically the the, the sunlight? Um, if you can find a window uh, to that has sun, that's the best. Like, no light's going to compare to that. Um, you want to supplement, though, uh, unless you have, like, a really good sun inside your house. Um, and I use... I use an LED and I use uh, fluorescent on it. Um, so you don't need a ballast at all. I mean, the fluorescents usually have a ballast yeah. with them, but you can now the fluorescents. Those are what are you using T5s? Uh, I'm using T8s. They're T8s a are a little bit larger, 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 larger. They're larger. A little, yeah. <laughs> well, they're a little larger, um, but they're just a little cheaper. I, I would use the T5s. Can you uh, use you a regular them. fluorescent bulb to go ahead and get any type of supplemental sunlight? Uh, a grow lights are a little more conditioned to, you know, what your plants need. Uh, and I kind of use a variety of like a daylight and a, a warm light cause that you want that, you want that range. And you start these in February. Yep. The, the tomatoes. Now, the if you read the back of the packages that mm-hmm. we, you know, most of the garden centers are going to have, they say, you know, harvesting 72 days from planting. Now we're talking planting in the soil outside. Mm-hmm. Now we're not talking from the time you put that seed into your your seed mix, and then seventy two days later, because that that means if you start it in February, February March, you got yourself. You know you're going to try and harvest them in April outdoors. That not in Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan, the Southern Great Lakes. Um, so you start them in February. What if they're going too well, too strong, too fast? How do you slow them down, or you don't? I mean, you could reduce the light, but I. I've always, you know, it's 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 harder to grow indoors under artificial lighting. They're gonna they're gonna be slower than what they're recommended on the. Package. So they don't get leggy on you. They don't get you know cattywampus all over the place. If you don't have enough lighting, they'll get leggy. And I've had that. I've had to each year kind of increase my lighting because it's you know been lacking. So. On certain tomatoes, you use both heirloom and hybrids, right? Yeah. Do you save any of the seed? Uh, some years I, I'm just working on a lot, so I. I you know, I want to save more, but, you know, just sometimes it gets hard to... Do you to find uh, any volunteers coming back in your lots? Like uh, what we... Sweet 100s, cherry tomatoes. Some of them, if they, you know, the fruit falls, the birds just schmutz on the ground after eating one, um, you're going to find that they're popping up in other places. Do you... 
The only volunteers that come back each year are the potatoes in our garden. Really? Yeah, we've, they've, we have potatoes that have just been, you know, we'll get like 10, 20 plants that'll just pop up from. Okay, like, now, now let's, let's, let's go to a, a potato then. Do you start them from seed potatoes? What's the difference between a seed potato that you can buy at your garden center and a, a regular potato that you buy over at the grocery store? You can just use a potato from the grocery store. You know, you want to, you can cut it up. You want like uh, two eyes on it. Uh, and you know, something that's like, st- when they start to grow, you can cut it up and use that and plant it right in the ground. And it's the same as us. So you, you, you'll be able store. to rejuvenate continuously. And that, mm-hmm. is that how they volunteer? You just can't pick them up there. There's more that are down there. Yeah. We don't get them all out of the ground and then they'll, they'll start. Growing. You get a beautiful leaf on the potato all over the place. It's just absolutely stunning. When do you harvest? When do you know when to harvest a potato? Once the plant starts dying back, usually when we harvest it, it'll start to get a little, you know, dried out, a little, little yellower, and then that's about ready. Is there a specific potato you like or you use? Uh, I really like the pur- the purple potatoes. I Pur- prefer. Now see, yeah. all right, all right, all right. There's a customer that comes in to one of the garden centers that I work at, and I said, yeah, my mom gave me some purple potatoes. He said, yeah, right, Mike, what'd you do in the 70s? And I said, you know, you might want to come back. Should I slap you, drop you some water or something? What's going on? I said, no, seriously, these were, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so for the last five, seven years, I couldn't find it. But on the Internet, they have them. But mm-hmm. I could, I mean, you like the purple. Why do you like the purple? Uh, I think it's just higher nutrients. Um, I mean, it looks good. I don't know. Looks good. Yeah. Do you have mashed purple potatoes? You could just take food coloring and make them look that way. No, is there <laughs> is there something? I mean, can you bake a purple potato? Are these big? Like, let's say the Idaho's, or are they? Uh, they're no, they're smaller. Um, you can cut them up and you know fry them, but they're not like a baked potato. I won't eat green tomatoes. And I'm very cautious about purple potatoes. Any potato that's a little, I'll eat something that has a little bit of a yellow meat to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the purple potato, you know, that's kind of like squash. I won't eat squash. Now, they, 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 they taste fine. They taste similar to They taste, know. I mean, if, if I was blindfolded and you put butter, sour cream, chives, and uh, a little bit of salt on it, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I don't think so. Oh, wait a minute. Now, I've used to eat deer. And lamb, and I can mm-hmm. tell the difference between that and hamburger. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, you're just nuts. It's prepared properly. <laughs> you're saying that this is going to taste the same all the way around. Oh yeah, yeah. This, it's not to to my pal. I don't think it's okay. Well, I'll see. Now mm-hmm. that's you're you're being okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't go there because your palate. You probably think I. You know what? I'm very particular. When somebody, why did they name certain plants? What, they they named them squash. They named them eggplant. Um, they named it zucchini. Where do they come up with these names? Because, for instance, I immediately think of something. I put a picture with it. Zucchini. Mm-hmm. Zucchini. It sounds like a loogie. Squash sounds like roadkill. Mm-hmm. Eggplant sounds like something that came from the south end of a northbound chicken. I don't like having to eat something that sounds like it's going to taste like an egg, but it doesn't. What is it that, that most people, that you, for instance, like, do you, that's more popular to grow? I know a lot of people that just love squash. They love the zucchini. They love the eggplant. Um, what is it about it that makes it so appealing? About which specific plant or? Well, I'm, I'm talking them. any of those that, for instance, the eggplant. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, or your squash. What's so good about squash? Are there nutrients that are in there that people go after? Or is it strictly the taste? I mean, they got a spaghetti squash that all it is is fibrous junk. Mm-hmm. That's, is there is there nutrients in there that's going? Oh yeah, they're they're all they're all very you know nutrient dense plants. Uh, you know, I made a lot of eggplant parmesan, which tastes really good, and uh, oh. 
made pumpkin pies out of butternut squash before. Did you know they make the, the when you uh, October? Sorry, guys and gals, but you know when, when it comes to Halloween and Thanksgiving and that sort of thing, do you know that they actually the pumpkin pie is not made out of pumpkins? Yeah, you knew that. I didn't know that until I was forty-five, <laughs> and 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 it's it, you, uh, should we tell everybody what it's made out of? Sure. Okay, it's made out of gourds. Now, I won't eat a pumpkin pie well, anymore because squash. I know it's made out of a gourd. Gu- gourds are a little different than Well, a squash, squash yeah. well, yeah, but they're still a squash family. They're in the squash family, yeah, but the gourds are like the, I don't know how to describe them. Ugly looking, yeah. disgusting hollow, looking yeah. hollow mm-hmm. things that people use for either throwing into creeks or, you know, putting them into... Batches and batches of, of pumpkin pie mix over there at El Monte. Um, okay. We went through squash. That's something. We went through, you called it nightshade. Nightshade was poisonous at one time. I didn't know pepper was related to the nightshade plant. Now, these exotic peppers, do you grow any of these, the ones that are hot? Now, now to me, anything that's beyond, what is it? It's not a Richter scale. What is it, a Colvin? Uh, that they, uh, they measure the, uh, the Skol- heat? Scoville. Scoville. Yeah. All right. Now, do they? Do you like spicy hot peppers? I like spicy food, but I kind of like habaneros. My top. I won't. I won't. I've grown <laughs> ghost peppers before, and I don't think they got enough heat, um, so they they weren't as hot as they should have been. But I, I usually don't grow anything. Well, past that. you know, the, someone told me. I think it was one of the owners here. Well, the owner of Black Diamond years ago said that the reason that they grow these ghost peppers was to keep elephants out of the rice fields or patties <laughs> in in you know India, Pakistan. All of a sudden, that I don't know. I do know that they're hot, and I don't. I'm milk toast. I don't go anywhere near it, even when I touch it. And you wipe your eye with it. It's like, oh my god, I got to go to the doctors. Why? What, what's the attraction? Is I, I mean, is that sadistic thinking or a lifestyle? I mean, they're they're really good as like an appetite suppressant. So if you want to put some on your food, you know, it can uh, you know reduce the amount that you're going to eat. Wait a minute, that's an oxymoron. You got a platter of food in front of you, yeah, and you don't want to eat all of it. So you put the food, the spicy stuff onto the food? Or if you're trying to, you know, control the amount of food that you're eating, you want to eat a little less or a little, uh, a little spicy on there, and, you know, it, it kind of suppresses your appetite for more. So. All right, all right. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. Well, I want to get into something that that, that you and I discussed briefly. Um, the Earthship, can you do a little bit of an explanation on that? So we're building an Earthship style house, and the Earthship is basically, uh, they started out in uh, Taos, New Mexico. This engineer, architect um, created them, and they're, Self-sufficient homes made out of recycled uh, materials, and they produce their own electricity, their own food, their own water, their recycled, you know, the gray water. Um, they're just really very self-sufficient kind of eco, you know, houses. So we're going to be, we've modified the design that they do out in uh, New Mexico, and we're going to be kind of the first to do it in an urban area. You find it that you're going to be able to be able to work with the, I mean, we're in a zone five, zone four, zone five here. Zone six now, actually. We were in a zone five. Yeah, yeah, but it it fluctuates. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll we'll go from, you know, warmer to, you know, extremely Arctic Mm -hmm. without any warning. So we'll go anywhere from four to six. I'll just play it there. Is the house itself going to be able to accommodate the weather that we have here in the south? 
southern portion of the Great Lakes? Oh, yeah. We're going to be digging it into the ground, and we're going to be using some of the earth as kind of a thermal mass to hold heat from the summer and then release it into the winter. And it kind of, you get this gradual change in climate in the house. You, you designed this after a house, you said, in New Mexico or Arizona? Uh, it's a style of house called Earthships. They build these typically out of tires where we're going to be using different materials and that. But, uh, yeah, it's a similar design. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. using the round tires. They're shredding them up, aren't they? And they're utilizing the... the Material in in the in the airships out west they uh they just pound dirt into the tires and then stagger them and then use that as like a big thermal mass to kind of envelop really? the house yeah and what are you using here so we're uh, we're digging into the ground three feet and we're going to be using kind of limestone as like the stem wall we're not pouring a foundation and then we're going to be using uh m- like a mushroom material as insulation the mycelium of a mushroom which is a very which is fibrous yeah it's, it's very fibrous and it uh, has a similar R value to like uh, fiberglass regular insulation. Fiber glass so, itself. But it's all natural. Now, you're going all the way natural. Limestone mm-hmm. around the Great Lakes is, is you know, we can, we got a boatload of it. I mean, it's just all over the place. As far east as maybe, well, maybe even towards Niagara and New York. I'm not familiar with the Chicago area, but you're doing it solely with materials that are from this region? Uh, for the most part, um, there's some limitations on, on, you know, like we're going to be using metal for the roofing. Where did you find the, the property? Uh, we got the property to land auction. Um, the city holds one once a year. Now, I, I know cities have their own zoning in that. I mean, do you have to meet the requirements of zoning re- restrictions that they have, or is this something that you had to get special? No, there's there's state codes, and they've actually been adding a lot of uh, new things about, like, uh, straw and, and cob and some other natural materials into the code in the past few years. So, you know, it's, it's already in the code. Um, there's a couple local restrictions, but our permits are approved and we got everything. Uh, okay, up to you, code. did you get it from the land bank? Uh, no, it, it's like a, a forfeited land auction, but the land bank has a lot of properties too. Okay, now when do you when do you see this being completed? Um, we hope the main structure will be up in about four to five months, and then some of the interior systems and aesthetic work is going to be probably next March or so. So totally completed. Yeah. Now, who, how are you gonna? Who are you gonna pick to live in it? Um, it's uh, me um, and my girlfriend Colleen and my roommate. Monica. So you're gonna be roughing it. Yeah. In other words, you're gonna you're gonna well, be basically. Well, it's it's gonna be a, a thousand four hundred square feet home. So it's not not like a tiny home or anything. Well, but how how many squares? Fourteen hundred square feet. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, it's not gonna be itty bitty, but yeah. still. All right. So you're basically. I mean, this is all gonna be virgin territory. Heating is done from. Uh, most of the heating will be done from a thermal mass where you heat up the ground around the house and cool it in the summer and you kind of exchange the heat. Okay, um, kind of like a heat pump Yeah, we'll also system. have a, yeah, a heat pump system, basically. We'll also have a little bit of passive solar. We're going to have a greenhouse on the south side kind of taking some so of that. So you're going to be totally off the grid. Yeah, well, we will initially have to hook up to the sewage Um and eventually we want to... Oh, that's because you're in city limits. Yeah. yeah. We want to do a composting toilet or biodigester eventually, but, um, that, you know... You know, that can wait. Yeah. I mean, seriously. All right. So how are you, being that this is now a new millennia, 2020, what are you going to do for electricity? 
Uh, we're going to use solar and wind and then have a battery bank. So you're going to be able to still be on the internet. You're still going to mm-hmm. be able to utilize television. You're still going to have a refrigerator that you're yep. going to be able to electrically use. Mm-hmm. So let's say if there's a power outage because of a hur- hurricane, ha, this is Southern Great Lakes, but we have tornadoes or storms that are really terrible, knocks out the, the electrical system you know, for, for many, many miles. You, you will still be off the grid, but still be able to use it without one of those gas generators? Yep. We'll still have a, a battery bank. So even if the electricity goes out and we how have do you, How are you going to store it? How are you going to store the energy? Are you just going to totally rely on the wind blowing and the sun being out? Yeah. No, we're going to get some deep cycle uh, marine batteries and create like a battery bank of those. Marine battery. Okay. So, all right. This isn't going to be like a Tesla car where you're going to have to... Well, it's going to be continuously charging, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be taking it from the battery, or are you going to taking it directly from the, um, the 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 wind power or the solar power? Does it depend on the days that you're going to be doing it? Yeah, I mean, the wind and solar will go into the battery and then feed into the rest of the house. So, all right, you know. and and this is did you break ground already? We're breaking ground April fourth. April fourth, mm-hmm. big ceremony. Oh yeah. Oh cool. That is so cool. Well, now it sounds like you know you're going to be self sufficient as far as your you know electricity, your shelter, the insulation. What are you going to do about seeding and vegetables? I mean, we're going to go back a little bit. I mean, are you going to have a space there where you can do your own seeding to start again for your garden? How, uh, I mean, approximately, do you have an idea how big your garden is going to be? Um, so our lot is about a third of an acre, and the house will take up you know, a, a small portion of that. So we'll, we'll have a pretty significant size garden. We'll also have a greenhouse inside the house, so we're going to be doing a lot All of seeding. All right. Are you going to start? You're going to have a greenhouse that you're going to tra- – okay, you're going to be able to do your seeding in the greenhouse. All right, and you're going to start, usually February is going to be the best time to, get, to start doing it, Feb- between February and St. Patrick's Day, depending on the seed? Yeah, and depending on the year, each year is a little different, so you got to kind of okay. adjust for that. On, on, uh, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna close in a little bit, but there's uh, seeds that you're going to want to start now is going to be like the peas that you were talking about in the, in the garden. You don't have a problem with squirrels or, or, or rabbits or anything or birds that are going to be following you around and seeing what you're doing? No, we got a lot of cats in the neighborhood. So the cats are going to keep them away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then you're going to work your way into the peppers or, the, or, or um, nightshade. Uh, and pot- potatoes and onions you can do around mid-March all the way through. And when the potatoes start to dry up, that's the best time to harvest them. Onions you can pull out at any time that you want to. Uh, nightshade peppers, tomatoes, things of that nature. You can start. You want to start those in February also? Yeah, peppers and tomatoes you want to start in February And then you don't put March. them out into the ground until when? The killing frost is over? Yeah, I give it a couple of weeks, you, you know, because it's like a percentage that that's the last frost date. So it, there's always a chance. About two weeks frost. after that, and there's always that chance. Yeah. It could. Usually that's the full moon in May that Thomas mm-hmm. and I were talking about. All right. Um, do you have by any chance any social media that the listener can go ahead and follow you by? Yeah, we've got a website, ToledoPermaculture.org. We're also on Facebook if you look up the Toledo Permaculture Network. Toledo Permaculture dot what? Org. Dot org. T-O-L-E-D-O Permaculture, P-E-R-M as in Michael, A-C-U-L-T-U-R-E dot O-R-G. Okay, cool. That's cool. Um, do you want to boast a little bit about the, about what you've got going? Like, for instance, the Toledo Permaculture? Uh, we're, we're doing the uh, Collinwood Garden, like I talked about. We're doing the Earthship Project. Right. Um, we got an aquaponics set up at our local. Uh, You've already food got co-op. an aquaponics? Uh, yeah, at our food co op, actually, right down the street. There's a, we have an aquaponics set up. We're growing some mushrooms there, too. I want to I talk to you a little bit later about what's going on and how things are going, you know, the progress. Do you mind coming back on? Oh, yeah, that's fine. 
Nick, I yeah. want you to come back on if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, in, in, in any category whatsoever, this goes as far west again. New York, as far, I mean, as far west as uh, Chicago, as far east as New York, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that sort of thing. Uh, anytime that we can get any information coming your direction, I would like them to find a way to go ahead and get in touch with you on Facebook at all. Yep, Toledo Permaculture on Facebook. On Facebook Network. also. Mm-hmm. All right, and you're involved with the Urban Agriculture uh, Alliance of Lucas County. Yep. Yeah. All nice. right, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick Botek from uh, Toledo Permaculture, I want to thank you for coming on board. And this is, you know, this has been very informative. Um, and I'd like you, if you can, to say a final word to you know, whomever out there to try and get a hold of you if there is anyway. Yeah, just check us out, Toledo Permaculture Network. Um, thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.